We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon. Welcome inside the Ravens vaults. Ooh, was it a nice weekend? I am Sarah Ellison, riding solo without Bobby Trossett, but we'll, we're simulcasting about, across both channels, the Vaults and the Bobby Baltimore uh, YouTube channel. Remember, the last time we heard the Ravens together, this is what we saw and this is what we heard. Monday, Monday. Before you guys get crazy, I'm, I'm going to give you the whole week. Before Brody breaks, it's just one quick thing, man. All right, how many games? What are we, 12 games now? Yeah. Traveled all over the world. No buy, no break, nothing like that. What's our record? We got where we wanted to get, right? Yes, so we're gonna, we're gonna take a week. We're gonna, you're gonna take care of yourself. Yes, sir. Mind, body, spirit, whatever you gotta do, family, everything else. We come back Monday, we come back roaring. See that? You got us, Brody. Hey, family on two. One, two, family! All right, that video, obviously, courtesy of the Ravens Productions team inside uh, the the facility there. But, man, that mood, that mood from inside the locker room, the energy, oh, we're still feeling it this morning. We're still feeling it Monday at lunchtime while we're snacking, getting away from work for just a minute here because the Ravens won three this three things this weekend. They won three things while they didn't even play. While they didn't even play, they won three things big time this weekend. First, John Harbaugh alluded to it. He gave him the week off. He doesn't always do it, but he's done it the last couple, last couple years. Ravens, the players certainly deserved it. After waiting until after week 12 to get a bye week, they had traveled all over the world from London to two West Coast trips. Just completely beat up. They elected to wait to have their buy instead of doing it very early after the London trip. With hindsight, ooh, was that a good decision? So number one, what did the Ravens win this weekend? They won rest. While the rest of the teams, especially inside the AFC North, they got beat up even still. We'll kind of get into the injuries later on. The second thing that they won is the Ravens won breathing room inside of the division okay we wake up this morning on monday morning ravens 
keep the lead, which they were going to do anyway, but not only did they keep the lead in the AFC North, they expanded their lead with the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) I did not predict this one, folks. The Steelers at home got beat up by a team who I, who, how many wins do the Cardinals even have? Is it three by now? Probably one of the worst offenses in the league. Now, granted, they've got their quarterback uh, returned in Kyler Murray, but the Cardinals just don't have much going for them at all. And the Steelers, who, like the Ravens, are this physical beat-em-up team, they got beat up. They, they're the ones that got beat up at home. And then the Browns, with Joe Flacco, now leading the way because DTR didn't get um, passed from concussion protocol. Joe Flacco leading the way. But the Browns also lost. So they are now seven and five. So both the Steelers and Browns are at seven and five. Ravens sit at nine and three. So the Ravens have a comfortable two game lead over their biggest rivals in the division. Now we know we'll get into this later. The Bengals play later tonight on Monday night football against the Jaguars. So at this point, some people are even debating online is the division in the bag for the Ravens. I'm not going to go that far. I don't like to get that cocky. Don't like to get that caught up in things. And if, as we've seen over this weekend, upsets happen all the time. We saw it with Steelers, saw it with Chiefs, saw it with, with some other teams. Upsets happen all the time. But the reality is, is that unless both the Steelers and the Browns win out, the Ravens will secure their division title for the first time since, as we all know, 2019 when they won their final five games. So that's the first thing the Ravens won this weekend while sitting on their couches watching everybody else. Or the second thing. First thing they they got was health and rest. The second thing was breathing room in the AFC North. The third thing is we now know, oh, sorry, before I give you the third thing, I just wanted to show you this. This is courtesy of the New York Times. The Ravens now have a 99% chance to win the division, an 86% chance to, uh, I didn't get the the thing. I'm pretty sure that's to um, 99% chance to make the playoffs, 86% chance to win the division, 25% chance to get a first round by, and then a 13% chance to win the Super Bowl. That's obviously well down uh, the road, but that's where we're at. They're at a 99% chance to make the playoffs, 86% chance to win the division. All right, now, the third thing that the Ravens won And that is that they now have um, the chance to control their own destiny for the number one seed. That's what they have. Now, as we know, the Miami Dolphins, they took care of business big time. It wasn't even even a, a game against the Commanders. Okay, so Dolphins now tied with the Ravens at uh nine and three, but because the Dolphins have a better conference record they win the tiebreaker. That's the first tiebreaker. So they're number one. Ravens are number two. I thought for sure waking up, I thought for sure waking up this morning, the Ravens would be number three because I thought the Chiefs are going to win. And then they would also would have had the same record as the Ravens at nine and three. But, and and if, and with that, they also would have won the tiebreaker, but then they lost. 
<laughs> they lost to the Packers. I'm telling you, I, I was so tired last night. I went to bed before that game finished. I did not see that one coming either. Packers, probably better than what I had been given giving them credit, but the Chiefs lost. So as we know, Jaguars, they play the Bengals this evening. And the Ravens have such a comfortable lead in the AFC North, and they swept the Bengals, and they don't have um, – and they no longer have Joe Burrow. So what do you know? Here we are. We got Ravens fans who are going to be cheering on the Bengals tonight because we already appreciate the Cardinals. We already appreciate the Packers. We already appreciate um, – why am I already forgetting who the Browns lost to? Uh, but – yeah, now we would appreciate it if the Bengals took care of business and somehow found a way to upset the Jags. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. In fact, I certainly am not predicting it, but that is where we're at. And here's the thing. Even if the Jags do win as they're favored to do, the Ravens still control their own destiny for the number one spot. They still control their own destiny because they play both Miami and the Jags. So obviously it wouldn't be easy. Certainly not saying it's going to happen for sure. Ravens have the most difficult schedule remaining, remaining out of anybody in the league. But what else can you ask for? You control your own destiny. You beat the Jags. You beat Miami. You can, you can beat them to the number one spot. You control their own destiny. Even if the Chiefs went out, and let's say the Ravens went out, which again is not the most realistic thing in the world, but perhaps could happen. If they both won out, Ravens would win the number one seed over the Chiefs because they now have a game lead. So um, I want to back up here. So I, I went around and got a little bit of um, national reaction, national reaction to what's going on. <laughs> Rex Ryan was cracking me up. Here was his reaction, and I don't think he's wrong about the Steelers' just terrible loss. To the Cardinals. How about the Steelers losing to the Cardinals? What one word do we use for the Steelers now? Frauds. They're frauds. If they're frauds, man, how do you score 10 points at home against the 30th ranked defense? Like, that's ridiculous. Here's the funny thing. We're going to watch them in the playoffs. We're going to watch them. Well, We're going to watch them in the playoffs. Take that back, Ricky Bobby. The committee would take them out. If we put together I would the take committee, them out we would Uh, frauds? <laughs> Listen, I kind of agree, and I know that the Steelers beat the Ravens, so they have those bragging rights. And by the way, it's not going to be easy again come week 18. But the Steelers, all the way up until two weeks ago, had been outgained in every single match that they had, and yet still found a way to win. Again, also against the Ravens, so again, got to give them their due. But there's no way that trend was going to keep up. There was no way. And so, yeah, it kind of felt like they were frauds. Uh, now, listen, when they listen, even if the Steelers, Rex right there said, yeah, but we're still probably going to see him in the playoffs, um, they could get knocked out if they continue to melt down. I mean, there's other teams there who would like to jump in. Houston could be one. Um, but, but even if the world's reversed and the Ravens, let's say the Steelers get knocked out of playoff contention and they still play the Ravens, if that was the reverse, the Ravens would want to beat up the Bengal, the, the Steelers and give them the least bit chance 
right? I say beat up. I don't mean injure. Okay. I mean like physical football. That's not cheap. That's not like out to injure anybody, but I mean, just physical beat them up in that sense so that they aren't ready to go come playoff time. We wouldn't want to watch the Steelers, you know, win playoff games. So regardless of where the Steelers are at week 18, maybe they're going to be playing for the playoff hopes, but even if they're not, that's going to be a difficult game. But I still agree with, I still agree with Rex frauds, but also very well could end up in the playoffs. Now more national reaction. I also looked at, by the way, I'm trying to, I'm running solo here. As you know, as I mentioned, I'm trying to keep up with comments. This is a live stream. Usually when Bobby's talking, I can peek the comments or when I'm talking, Bobby can peek the comments. So I'm trying to keep up when I have the national media going. That's when I'll be able to read a couple, read a few, see if I can uh, um, highlight a few. I'm trying to keep up with them, but try to be patient with me here. I can use like a producer right now. That would certainly help. But uh, I want to go back to Rex here and get his reaction to the Chiefs losing to the Packers. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a horrendous call or no call. But was anybody sitting back going, oh, no, oh, no. They threw it to Marquez Valdez. Oh, no, he's going (laughs) to drop it again. Like, that's what I was thinking. And unfortunately, right now, that's my vision of this offense right now. Like something's missing. If you think that this this offense scares anybody right now, they have the greatest player on the planet, and they don't scare you. And I'm sorry, that's that's the that's the. I, I get concerned about Kansas City. Uh, listen, uh, this one I don't agree as much with Rex. I guess it's in the the eye of the beholder. Chiefs still scare me. When you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Andy Reid, like there's still time for them to get things together. Still think back to, think back to the, um, (laughs) got people ringing my doorbell over here. Uh, We don't need to answer it. It's all good. But uh, (laughs) sorry, everybody. Um, So um, Chiefs, scary. Oh yeah. The year that the Ravens, won the Super Bowl. I remember, I think it was early December, maybe late November, the Ravens went on a three-game losing streak and then got it together. It's, it's, the Chiefs don't need to peak right now. The Ravens don't necessarily need to peak right now. We're getting close to that, that spot and we kind of want to see it going up, but we, they still have time to get it together just like the Ravens Super Bowl team did. What matters is that you get to the dance and then you peak in the dance. So to me, the Chiefs still scare me. But here's the thing. Right now, the Ravens don't have to worry about the Chiefs. They just got to take care of business. That's all they got to do because they control their own destiny. Who they do need to worry about is still Miami and the Jags a little bit further down the road. Oh, Before I get to them real quick, one update on the Steelers also. Adding to their, their fraud situation is Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett. He left the game with an ankle injury. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, he is expected to be sidelined for, quote, a couple of weeks, according to a league source. So uh, that's a problem. The Steelers are going to host the Patriots this Thursday night, and so it'll be Mitch Trubisky now expected to be the starter. I got to be honest, I don't know how big of a difference there is between Kenny Pickett and Trubisky. Like, is there going to be a big drop-off? 
I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about that. We will see. Um, but Steelers now in a bad place. In a couple weeks, it seems to me that Kenny Pickett could very well be back for the Ravens. Now, as I was getting to about the Ravens not needing to worry about the Chiefs for now, because we don't play them in the regular season, but with the Jags and the Dolphins, that is not the case. All right, Jags and Dolphins. Let's see. The Chiefs have the fourth easiest remaining schedule. Dolphins have the 12th most difficult remaining schedule, okay? Their remaining opponents have an average of a .533 winning percentage. Now, one of the reasons why that's so high, by the way, is because they play the Ravens <laughs> with the 9-3. and three. Dolphins, outside of the Ravens, they've got the Cowboys, but then they have three other teams that are um, at or below 500. Okay? So... Not too bad. Look over at the Jags. Obviously, got the Bengals tonight. Bengals don't pose too much of a threat without Joe Burrow. Then out of their remaining games, they only have one team above 500. And surprise, surprise, that's the Ravens. The Jags have the eighth easiest remaining schedule left. All right. So that's kind of where we're at. Excellent. You couldn't, I mean, other than Miami losing. You couldn't have asked for a better weekend for the Ravens. You got healthy. You got a two-game padding breathing room in the – you get breathing room in the AFC North, and now you control your own destiny in the conference. That's where we're at there. So let's look through some of these comments while I get a second before I move on. Breezy B43, only teams that scare me are the 49ers and Eagles. And Breezy, Eagles got pummeled. They got pummeled by the 49ers. 49ers? Debo Samuel? That's going to be a problem Christmas night. Listen, all the Ravens can do is take this a game at a time. But watching those two, that is a problem. The Dolphins. All right, what else do we have here? Uh, Mr. Rashad Carter. I feel like Miami beats up on the bad teams and lose to the good ones. You know, my, my son reminds me of that every single day. I haven't looked through the schedule to remember exactly what they did. I know Miami has beat up on a lot of teams that are below 500. Can't necessarily fault them for that, for their schedule. Remind me who they lost to that were good. I, I, I think you're right. I just can't remember who it is. So. And as David Smith says, Miami has had some recent success against the Ravens. So um, here we go. I'll give one last one of who people are afraid of. Joey says, honestly, I'm not really afraid of any of these teams. The Ravens just have to want it more. Um, I don't know. Is, is afraid the right word? Afraid isn't the right word because I, I agree. I don't find myself. I guess I said I'm scared of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but scared is not the right term. Because I'm not afraid of anybody. And I think if we had Roquan Smith here today, we're not afraid of anybody. No Raven would say that. But I do think there's, I like, to me, a healthy respect. Somebody who, who like, yeah, you got to respect. And it, it is the Chiefs to me. It is to, it is um, the Jags. It is the 49ers. Like, the Eagles. All of them. All of them. So, not afraid, but certainly respect all of them. This isn't going to be an easy schedule for the Ravens. Rams, who are... Sitting six and six, that's probably 
the team that, I don't know, where are they the easiest, but they're coming alive. Jags, 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers. Going to be an uphill climb. All right. I want to get into, in just a second, there was a video going around uh, before Sunday's games uh, that claimed that the Ravens don't have any superstars. And it really riled up some Ravens fans. So um, I want to dig into that, see if we agree or disagree with what he said, or I guess the word is superstars. But before I do, I need to give a shout out to GEHA. The Vault is, present, is presented by GEHA, Government Employee Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. With over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every day. And GEHA wants to give you the chance to show your purple pride with an exclusive pre-game Ravens Tunnel experience. This is pretty cool, guys. Between now and December 19th, fans can enter for the opportunity to be in the tunnel as the Ravens get ready to take the field on New Year's Eve. Two grand prize winners brought to you by GEHA will receive the following for the December 31st, 2023 home game against Miami. This is what they win. Number one, two game tickets, two backyard bash passes, exclusive pregame tunnel experience, one complimentary parking pass worth $45, and then two Ravens gift bags. So all Ravens fans that are living in Delaware, District of Columbia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are eligible to enter. The contest is open to the public. See the sweepstake rules. GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. Visit GEHA.com. So pretty cool sweepstakes there. Okay. So Alex... I should have had his name. I'm going to, while I play this video, get his full name. But Alex put together a YouTube video and kind of put it out on Twitter. He's, he's, a, he's an analyst, kind of film analyst. And he said that the Ravens defense is one of the best defenses ever. Certainly a big part and a big reason for why the Ravens are nine and three. But he claims that the Ravens defense is doing all that without any quote-unquote superstars. So I'll play the video, and then we'll debate it on the other side here. The 2000 Ravens defense is one of the most historic, legendary units in NFL history. They allowed the fewest points ever, Ray Lewis, two years later, Ed Reed, epic all-time superstars, arguably the best ever at their positions. Fast forward to 2023, and the current Ravens defense is producing shockingly similar numbers, but this time, it's without superstar talent. Roquan Smith is really, really good, Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton too, but the Ravens are not winning on defense because of incredible individual performances. They're winning because of their scheme and entire team. Through incredible disguise within their scheme, they have more sacks through 12 games than any Ravens defense ever and are allowing a league-low 5.5 passing yards per attempt. Zach Wilson is at 6.1 on the year, 
so it's like they're playing a Walmart Zach Wilson every week, despite having actually in real life faced Joe Burrow twice, Justin Herbert, Geno Smith, CJ Stroud, the Lions' top five offense. This defense is unbelievable and likely one of the best we've ever seen. Okay, I had a chuckle at the Ravens. It's like they're playing a Walmart Zach Wilson. And, you know, I love Zach Wilson because he's a BYU guy. I got I to gotta still give him love, even though whew, the NFL has not been nice to him. Okay, so uh, a lot of people were kind of upset at that video. Uh, some joke, they're like, when he put it out on Twitter, they were like, oh, nice try. You almost got me to click. Um, but they wouldn't click through. And I think if you do click through you can kind of hear his points. So I think I, it all depends on how you define superstar, right? So to me, the way I, I would define superstar is get that off the screen. The way I would define superstar is like, to me, you're a household name. Okay. So say like, you don't follow the NBA, but you obviously know who Michael Jordan is, Kobe Bryant is, or or LeBron James. You know who they are, even though you don't follow the NBA. Or uh, you don't follow um, golf, but you know who Tiger Woods is. Or, um, you know, I could go on and on and on. So to me, I kind of use in this sense, like, I'll look at my mom who really doesn't follow the Ravens and barely follows the NFL. She does, she, the most she follows in is because she wants to watch me on, on the show, right? But so she knows Lamar Jackson and she knows Odell Beckham Jr. But she doesn't know who, who Roquan Smith is. She doesn't watch those shows. She doesn't know who um, Kyle Hamilton is. She doesn't know who Justin Matabike is, that type of stuff. So all these guys are phenomenal. Roquan Smith turned around this defense. Um, Kyle Hamilton. So, so, so to me... The way you become a household name, which is what uh, to me is synonymous with the superstar. To me, I think it's more of like your brand is so big that you transcend your team and you transcend your, your sport. And so then, you know, people who aren't really following know it. To me, e even Roquan Smith hasn't hit that level, but that doesn't mean he's not an all pro. That doesn't mean that, you know, you know, maybe he could like, to me, the way you become a household name, a superstar or two very normal ways. You either do something big in a Super Bowl game, maybe somewhere else in the playoffs, but usually it's a Super Bowl game. So think Odell Beckham Jr. and the things he's done in Super Bowls. Or you become an NFL um, MVP, like Lamar Jackson has done, right? Um, Ray Lewis, he was an MVP in the Super Bowl. He was, a, he was an NFL MVP. Same with Ed Reed. So just these names, to me, that's what superstar means. Now, by the way, this, this person's name, I forgot to give him his props. It's Alex Rollins. That's on YouTube. You can watch the full video. It's 11, it's 11 minutes and 19 seconds. Alex Rollins, NFL. I want to make sure I was giving him uh, his due. So to me, I don't disagree with what he said. I know a lot of people were offended, but I don't think he was like trying to like say nobody was good. As you saw, like, like and, and I'll also say this. If the Ravens go into the playoffs and keep this up, there's going to be opportunities to be had for guys like Roquan Smith, especially Roquan, to Roquan Smith going from this all-pro linebacker, highest-paid linebacker, right, to becoming 
superstar if he has a moment in like a Super Bowl or even say an AFC championship game, right? That to me is how you go from all pro, highest paid at your position to a superstar because you transcend your team and you transcend your sport. So to me, the Ravens are stacked on defense. And you know what? You got to give props. I saw the Baltimore Sun had like a fun little, um, had a fun article the other day where they were debating, three of their writers were debating different questions. And one of their questions was, who gets the most credit on defense? And this is, I think, feeds into Alex's point. How do you give only credit to, say, Mike McDonald, who, by the way, is a phenomenal coordinator? And part of Alex's point here is that you have a bunch of really, really good players, but then you have this scheme that is like Mike McDonald. I don't know if you know this, despite the Ravens leading the league in sacks, the Ravens blitz the third least in the NFL, the third least. And then they have 13 different guys who have gotten sacks. So it's not like you can point to one. I mean, Justin Matabike is the closest, but it's not like it's a um, TJ Watt and he's just gobbling up and he has this single, he's like the singular massive reason for all these sacks, right? Because you got six from DBs. Well, how do you not give credit to Mike McDonald for that? And yet at the same time, how do you not maybe give credit to John Harbaugh because he went out of his way, left wing Martindale, who was, you know, doing fine and said, now we're going to move on, goes to Michigan, brings his guy back, the very guy that he he groomed because Mike McDonald started as an intern here. So you got to give some props to, to Harbaugh for making sure he was the defensive coordinator. Then you got to give props to the defensive coordinator for having incredible simulations, incredible disguise. And Alex goes into it. Go watch the whole thing. He does the film breakdown. Guys like Joe Burrow looking like Zach Wilson because he can't tell what's coming. And what's going? Then you have to give credit to the players because this wasn't happening before Roquan Smith came. And then you've got Justin Matabike who took a big leap and now is a double-digit sack leader. Um, haven't had double-digit sack leader since 2017. Terrell Suggs. So how do you not put? How do you not give him credit? How do you not give Kyle Hamilton credit? Who's all over? Who's completely positionless? How do you not? So how do you give one guy more credit than the other? And I think that's kind of Alex's point. And I want to I want to play just the end of his video too because to me he also gave the ultimate compliment to this Ravens defense and he, because he thinks it can do big things down the stretch. This Ravens team has elements of all those things without the big names, the faces, the legendary brands. Instead, they've combined an incredible scheme with top to bottom versatility and intelligence from their entire team. It's the elements of those elite superstar defensive players mixed with incredible disguise that makes this Ravens unit an all-time defense. Sure, they have Roquan, Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, and those are legit, legit players. But they are not Ed, they are not Ray, which, in my opinion, is what makes this version so special. With Lamar and the boys doing their thing on offense, and this unit only getting stronger and more cohesive the more they play and disguise, the Ravens are finally going to win a Super Bowl. All right, again, so Alex Rollins, I'll try to look at some um, 
comments here now. So Luke K says, is, is Van Noy not a superstar? I don't think so. I don't think so. Again, it all depends on your definition. It all depends on your definition. My definition, as I set it up, means that your name, your brand transcends your team to the point where people know your name that don't necessarily follow the sport. So no, I wouldn't put Van Noy there quite yet. So uh, habitual line stepper, he says, Matabike and Kyle Hamilton will make their superstar name this postseason. Now that's more, I, I agree more with that. Like to me, it's you become a superstar in the postseason. That's that's when it happens. Um, let's see here. This isn't a necessary conversation. Our players aren't concerned about getting credit or being household names. They just want to win. I agree with that, Breezy. Uh, but whatever, this is what we do on shows. We debate these types of things. So certainly not necessarily inside the locker room, but it is something we do. Um on social media and whatnot. Let's see here. What else do we have here? Aaron Brown says, but that's a good thing because you can sustain longevity because you can rely on multiple guys. I, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. Now it'd be awesome. Like let's say that Kyle Hamilton and Matabike say the Ravens resign Matabike, although it's going to be hard with, with how well he's playing, but you got Roquan say like Kyle Hamilton becomes like a superstar this postseason. Who else? I mean, Gino Stone certainly doesn't get enough credit uh, with all of his interceptions. And so it's like, yeah, like if you can be just under superstar, then yeah, then, then longevity, and you have a lot of them, then yeah, the longevity is pretty nice. Let's see. Let's see. Clowney has shown up big, uh, bigly as well. I guess that's another thing. Another way I think you can become a superstar in terms of like having a big name is sometimes you can bring it with you from college. Like I'm thinking Tim Tebow and even Lamar Jackson, although Lamar Jackson sustained it in the NFL and Tim Tebow did not. But but Tim Tebow was so good in college and winning the Heisman. So I think you're like a Heisman winner. That's when you become a superstar in college. Um, Clowney was just a massive name because he was a number one overall pick. Um, and, but he's obviously, his production hasn't nat matched that draft pick, but he's getting there this season. And he, at least he has a chance to, I mean, he's been awesome again, postseason He can make a name for himself. Here we go. I'm not concerned about superstars. Yeah. So Sherry asks, isn't Odell a star? Yeah, but we're talking about the defense. I think Alex's point was mostly with the defense and how you have one of the best defenses ever. I mean, he's, he pointed it out. I mean, it's right up there with that 2000 defense, but uh, I think we're talking about the offense. And I think that Odell is a superstar though. I would say this season, he hasn't played at a superstar level. Uh, but as I've said a million times in the show, I don't think that matters until December and January. And that is now where we are. All right, here. Let's move on to some quick hits. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's see what do we got. Okay, so um, I saw Ramey point this out on Twitter last night. So if you watched that Chiefs game, which I did not because I was asleep, but I woke up this morning and watched all of the uh, ESPN shows and NFL Network shows kind of like debating some of the bigger plays, um, this is one of, I mean, the, 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 the officiating in that game is under scrutiny as it should be. Now I will say bad calls went against both teams. Um, when I played that clip of Rex, he kind of alluded to it when they were trying to go for a Hail Mary, there was a clear pass interference. I don't know that that would have changed the outcome of the game, but, uh, the chiefs didn't get it and it was clear as day. That being said, earlier in the game, the Packers got a call or the Chiefs got a call that went their way. And it's this right here. And so we can see, I mean, this was just such a bad call. The refs called um, unnecessary roughness, saying that they they hit Patrick Mahomes while he was out of bounds and hit him late. This screen grab shows, and all the videos I watched this morning shows clear as day. Patrick Mahomes got hit in bounds 1000%. So he definitely got some love from the refs there. Meanwhile, Ramey put up this screen grab and I've actually used this before where you can clearly say, see that Lamar Jackson's foot is out of bounds and he's getting hit. Now I used, whether it was this screen grab or one similar to it, I used that after the Browns game, Browns fans saw, came into the vault on YouTube, saw it and reached out to me on Twitter and showed me that the contact began in bounds against Lamar. So fair enough, the contact began, and I believe that is the rule, that if the contact begins out of bounds, then it's fair game. So perhaps the refs ended up getting it correct against Lamar and the Ravens, but I think the overall point is, is that the one with Lamar was way more questionable. Like, it, you could like you could see the hit go, still happening while out of bounds, whereas the majority of this hit, with uh, Mahomes was inbounds. So to me, like there was more great area with Lamar and he didn't get the call. And this one seemed clear as day to me and Mahomes did get the call. Now I'm not so far, I'm not ready to go down. I've just never been a big conspiracy theorist. I just don't think that the refs are out to get any team. Uh, It's always fun to joke about NFL scripts and all that kind of stuff. But to me, I just see, I just see bad officiating in almost every single game, every single week. And so that's more what I chalk this up to is that sometimes it goes against you and sometimes it, it, you, you catch a break, but, but believe me, people are watching because Tom Brady, Tom Brady, for sure. Even when they change rules for you, then, you know, you're getting preferential treatment, which is what happened when Tom Brady hurt his, his knee. Um, then they changed the rules and we call it the Brady rule now. So uh, it it sometimes feels that way. It feels like the NFL protects some quarterbacks over others. 
Uh, but to me, for now, I'm chalking this up to just bad officiating, and sometimes it goes against you, and sometimes it does not. Okay, Adam Schefter, if we, last time we spoke, we knew that Zach Ertz had been released from the Cardinals. He had asked for that release. Uh, he had a clear waiver. He has since, since done so. Um, so he's available. Adam Schefter over the weekend reported the following. Zach Ertz wants to land with a contender. Candidates could include Kansas City, Baltimore, and Buffalo. I saw other people report similar things. Could is the key word. That, to me, this feels like a, um agent-driven tweet. Um, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Zach Ertz's agent is trying to get all sorts of contenders to uh, get interested in Zach Ertz. Um, listen, I would be completely fine with bringing in Zach. Uh, at this point, I don't know that, that you can overpay too, too much. I mean, you're going to pay him um, per, per game, essentially, at this point, it feels like. So oh, would I be against this? Absolutely not. Does it mean that I don't have confidence in Isaiah Likely? Not necessarily. I just think that Isaiah Likely is obviously a different tight end from, say, you know, obviously Mark Andrews, who's more of a physical, I mean, put my shoulder into you and run you over kind of a tight end and obviously has the experience and experience with Lamar, whereas Isaiah Likely is more your athletic tight end who's phenomenal, but he's also inexperienced. So um, I, I would feel comfortable going forward with Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar and um, Tomlinson, who I believe is still on the practice squad. Uh, but at the same time, a three-time pro bowler who's still got experience in the red zone, I guess that's where I would like it the most, is if the game's on the line, you're in the red zone, um, I like Zach Ertz. Now, whether he could get chemistry with how quickly he would get chemistry with Lamar, I don't know. But to me, this is a cool, that'd be cool. They signed him. I like that. But if they didn't, it's like, all right, well, we're good. We're good. Kind of a feeling. So uh, just going to continue to watch that going forward. Um, this, one, this one cracked me up only because the Ravens have been in wide receiver draft pur uh, purgatory for really since the inception. I guess Torrey Smith maybe um, is the one outlier to that. And now. And now it seems like uh, Zay is an outlier, but <laughs> the misery is just from this uh, Chargers fan who has himself as my team hates me. <laughs> He's, he, he has a caption here that says, this is not a joke anymore. This is bad. And then he puts up a screen grab of 2023 wide receivers that were drafted. And the Chargers obviously took the first wide receiver off the board at number 21. And they chose out of all the receivers, they chose Quentin Johnston. And listen, they've got a good talented quarterback over there in, in, in LA. I almost said San Diego again. Uh, but they've got a good quarterback. Quentin Johnson, out of everybody here, has the worst numbers. He's got 190 receiving yards, but he was the first receiver taken off the board. Next was Zay. Looking like a great draft pick. He's got 613 yards. Then Jordan Addison, Addison, who was 23rd, he's actually got a few more yards than Zay. He's at 686. You just keep going down. Green Bay Packers, Jaden Reed, Rasheed Rice for Kansas City, Tank Dell and Houston, Josh. De I mean, just keep going and going and going. You can go all the way down to the Rams. 
they got the 177th wide receiver, and he's the closest one to 1,000 yards. Just goes to show you, man, drafting, uh, you pay these guys, you pay GM, GMs the big bucks because you got to figure this out. But, man, that pain that the Chargers fans are feeling right now, we have felt it before. And sorry to say it, but we're glad it's not us. We're glad it's not us and that Zay Flowers is turning the tide. All right. 33rd team puts out six coordinators in line for head coaching jobs. We knew Mike McDonald would be on that list. But also, they also put on here Todd Munkin as a possibility. Uh, I've got writing here that covers this up for me. Bobby Slowick. I can't see Quinn from the Cowboys, Ben Johnson, Lions OC, and then Brian Johnson, the Eagles OC. So I don't know, guys. I think all those other coordinators are better, right? They're just better. Don't take the Ravens coordinators. They're no good. They're no good. So just leave them here. Just leave them here. We'll we'll help develop them and we'll figure things out. Don't don't grab any of them. And then last but not least, just a happy birthday to Broderick Washington. And I do want to say, uh, Bobby and I had talked about Broderick um, Washington after the uh, Bengals Thursday night game. Broderick Washington was um, inactive that night. And that was coming off of him signing a new deal with the Ravens. It was a modest deal, but it was a new deal. It's a nice new deal. Uh, and then to see him go inactive was interesting. But looking back, the Ravens had chosen to go focus more on defending the pass rather than the run, where Roderick is, is, can do both, but obviously is more specialized against the run. And John Harbaugh was quick to say, you know, he's huge in our plans. And then last week, I didn't show it, but in that locker room, I believe it was Broderick Washington who got the um, the lion spike uh, to kind of close things out. So I was happy to see that for him. He really was inactive because of the strategy, the game plan. Hope to keep seeing him um, ascend just like everybody else. So that is all I've got. I'll just take a few more minutes to look at some of these comments. And then we will, holy moly. Got just under 700 concurrent um, viewers. Really appreciate that. I don't know what the peak was because I wasn't watching. So uh, that was great. But um, just a couple of comments here before I leave. King95. Uh, Zach is not needed. Zach Ertz is not needed. We just have to stop throwing screens every third play. Although what's funny is on this topic, King95, is they threw some screens to... Um, Isaiah Likely in that last game, and those tight end screens actually worked. So I'm not ready to throw that one out of the playbook just yet until we see uh, what's going on there. Slybrand uh, Phone says, Ertz not built for the North. Woo, it is physical, and he is getting older. Um, let's see here. Um, who wants to play second to Kelsey? I guess that's a point. good point. Like, why would he go to the Chiefs? Um, Let's see here. Anything else here? Stephanie, appreciate you. Or no, Steven, sorry. Steven uh, says, love the show. Appreciate that. Uh, been having fun going solo, but I'll be honest. I'm excited for Bobby to get back. Excited for Bobby to get back. Here we go. Here's a question. Do you think they will pull Stanley from starting? I don't. Not unless he's re-injured, like unless he can't play due to injury. I just don't think they will. I think that they want to see him get stronger. We've seen evidence that when even this season, 
when he first came back from his knee injury, he played poorly, but then he kept getting better and better, better as he got stronger. But then he got in, re-injured the same knee again. So hopefully we see that going back. Even if he's 85%, I think they would take that over 100% of McCarry because I think they like McCarry in the the like ultimate positionless backup role where he could go in anywhere. So I don't think they will unless he just can't play due to his injury. Appreciate this. Hit that like button from O'Doyle. Um, appreciate it, Joey. Great show, Sarah. Mr. Rashad Carter. Thanks, Sarah. Great work. Thank you to you guys. I uh, want to give a shout out to all of you for supporting this channel, supporting this show. I think I'll have one more show without Bobby. He's going to join back in from Rome for the rest of next week. And then, uh, then he'll travel back and then be on Saturday then, and then he'll be back in the States from Sunday on. So thank you to all of you who have been supporting, go ahead and subscribe hit like on the button, hit the like button, please. Thank you to the patrons who have been abysmal at thinking name by name. I got to figure that be figure that out before Bobby leaves in the future. Thank you to GEHA who's been sponsoring our show. Be sure to enter that uh, contest to win pregame Ravens Tunnel experience. You get tickets, Backyard Bash, parking. You get it all. A really great opportunity there. Um, so, yes, the next time I see you will be Tuesday morning inside the vault. And hopefully by then, John Harbaugh will have, been spoke, have spoken again. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to do um, – mid-season awards. I haven't done that yet, and I want to do it before everybody speaks on Wednesday and we completely turn the page over to the Rams. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Plus, we'll get some updates from John Harbaugh's Monday afternoon presser. Appreciate all you guys. Catch you next time here inside the vault. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.